WTS presents 3, 2, 1 All the feelings This episode Embarrassment Welcome back to uh, WTS Presents All the Feelings. Oh, look, I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Tommy Metz. Hi, buddy. That's me. Hi, friend. It's great to be here on this podcast adventure. Vroom, vroom. It is. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> and uh, we are very excited to be here in our second episode of our eighth season now uh, of What's That Smell? Now All the Feelings. And we just want to remind you in our opening show, Talk About to uh, make sure you head over to the website, allthefeelings.fun, and click that button to submit your feelings because we want to hear about your feelings and make sure that your feelings are coming in here so we don't feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And with that, today's show, Embarrassment. Embarrassment Noun, a feeling of self-consciousness, shame, or awkwardness. Tom, I want to talk to you about embarrassment. Did you know that's why we're here today? (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I listened to the opening. We, uh, the last seven seasons, we we always came back to, I think, one particular sort of baseline setting around anxiety. When we have phobias and, and irrational fears, they are rooted in um, something in our genetic, like, primal history, right, that would somehow save our lives, right? I'm needle-phobic and I pass out because genetic history says... When your caveman ancestors were wounded and they started bleeding, you had to lower your blood pressure real fast so you better fall down and pass out so you don't bleed out as fast, right? That's like, that's why evolutionarily we, our bodies do things to us and make us feel certain ways because of it has some historical purpose. Right. Right. All right. Yes. WTF embarrassment, right? That's the, <laughs> why... Now, like it's such I, a shared emotion. Yeah. 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 I, I'm going to spoil this a little bit because I have been doing some research, but my, <gasps> when I sat down to look at embarrassment, it is so stupid to me that we share this feeling and I cannot, I could not rationalize why it makes sense that in our genetic history, we would have evolved embarrassment. Mm. Do you have any ideas like where embarrassment is rooted, where it's rooted why for you? It, had a function yeah i didn't think about that let's see you didn't that was like a number one on the list of things to think about well i have one uh shooting from the hip i have one option atf um what if it's so you're not thought of as a crazy person by your tribe or your fellow cave people if you make a mistake or do something it's kind of important to show i know that was a mistake (laughs) so you won't kick me out and i have to live with a bear uh and and maybe that has then has been sort of evolved into like a reddening of the face or the hiding of the face or something it's a way of your body taking over and being like we all get it (laughs) we all saw what i did and know that i know that's not normal (laughs) because that would make me a creep yeah. That's that actually well, turned out to be I, better than I thought it would be. I, I'm actually I'm really proud of you because that actually you 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 sort of nail it. Oh really? Um, yeah. I mean that, that that's kind of where where people land is that it is embarrassment is our inner voice of social cultural norm. Oh, that's true. Because I really made it. I made it an outward thing. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Yeah, but yeah. When you are feeling, um, when you're feeling in embarrassment or shame or awkwardness, it's because you recognize that something has happened that is outside of the norm of your cultural norm. Right. That's important. I think that's. I actually think that's fascinating. It still feels like a modern feeling, like a modern emotional <laughs> construct to me. Like I still can't quite get why my caveman uh, progenitors. Uh, actually would have felt embarrassed about anything. What do yeah, they well, have to feel What would be some examples caveman? of caveman embarrassment? Don't let that saber-toothed tiger see you naked. You know, <laughs> like, I don't... Oops, I created fire. <laughs> and I tried to eat it because <laughs> I'm the first one to do it. <laughs> that was dumb. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, I just, I just, uh, I, I don't understand it. But let me, let me just, let me share a little bit of what I've what I've come up with. Like, okay, it, yeah, because it, it, once we started going down this road, it really leads back to like what my uh, like what does my head voice think of me versus what the world sees of me. That is that is root self consciousness. Like you can't you hmm. can't be you can't live with embarrassment without self consciousness, right? And I mean right. that specifically not as a negative trope, but as a consciousness or an awareness of yourself and embarrassment comes when you what what you see in your head of yourself does not match what the world sees and for me that's back fat tom i'm overweight right now and i'm working on it man i promise okay. but you when i great. see a picture of but you're only seeing my shoulders and my head and when i see a photo taken of me from the back i'm like what is back pete doing there i've got <laughs> like i am I'm wider in my back than I back. normally am. Where does, why does that happen? I've never thought to look at my back. No, yes. I'm never going That's, to. This is why. Don't okay. ever do it because this is the, like, I am, I am not self-conscious of my back, meaning I'm not aware of what's going on behind me. Right? Right. That's, oh. And, right. and once I am, I become embarrassed about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I I think I I found this <laughs> wonderful article. What what's so just, funny right now? I just like that being like embarrassment is the back fat of the world. <laughs> like there's somehow there's that's like just a shortcut to exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally it. Um I it, yeah, and so I just like it, it it's not really that there's anything wrong necessarily with what my back looks like. Like sure. it's fine. It's really fine. It just doesn't match my head. And there is a point that I want to make here, but I have to introduce uh, Christine Harris, who is a writer over at American Scientist. And I love how Christine positions embarrassment. Okay. What normally triggers an emotion is, in the jargon of emotion researchers, a cognitive appraisal. Cognitive appraisal. This refers to a belief that certain conditions hold in the world. One kind of mental state, an emotion, is triggered by another kind, a belief. Writing in the 1960s, the late psychologist Magda Arnold was one of the first to advocate this point, suggesting that emotions arise from an assessment, usually unconscious, of the significance of an event, right? So, emotion triggered by a belief that leads to an assessment. Emotion happens triggered by a belief that leads to our assessment. And it's that assessment that leads to the different categories of embarrassment that we're going to walk through here. I so see. Right. Now, 
how do yeah, you categorize how do you categorize yeah. why your face is red and your your <laughs> mouth is all right. burned from eating fire? <laughs> yeah, right, right, dumb cave person. So, uh, so it, this is where we get to uh, the the real conundrum. And so Magda and Harris go on, according to the quote awkward interaction end quote or quote dramaturgic end quote accounts. It is not that the person is worried about making a bad impression per se, but rather that he or she does not know what to do next. Because you don't know what to do with like your hands or your face or how right. to approach. You've you've done a societal unnorm, and uh-huh. then how do you bounce back? Is that the point? How do you bounce back? Yeah. How do you how do you recover? It turns out the feeling of embarrassment is rooted in the uncertainty around recovery more than in the act itself. That makes complete sense. And I never would have thought of that. But that's really right? interesting. Yeah. Right. This is exactly where I was. Because that moment is over. Time ago. Right. Yeah. The that moment is over. It's past. Yeah. 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 And, and you the one know person thinking about it the most is you, by definition. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So there are there are a number of different models. And over the years, over the decades, as people have been researching the, the embarrassment, awkwardness, social anxiety, they've come around with a number of different models around how they think about, you know, categorizing different kinds of embarrassment. Um, and and I like I like these. So I'm going to run through two different models that are sets of categorizing. Uh, one is privacy. Right. Privacy embarrassment includes things like doxing, like you don't want your your personal information out in the world or Nipplegate. Right. Like you have a a public. You remember oh, Janet like Jackson? A... Yeah. 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 When... Oh, I didn't know that we called that a gate. <laughs> we got we've been oh. really, really liberal with gates. I get it. I think yeah, I think there are a lot. I'm of sure gates. we did. Got yeah. it. OK, go ahead. Okay. So uh, and maybe it wasn't. Maybe I just made it. Is it, it totally that I it turned it a gate? Very gate worthy. It was a wardrobe malfunction. Correct. Maybe that's where I need to stick. stick right. with. So, yeah, boy, <laughs> uh, we need to replace Nipplegate with something else because all of a sudden that sounds weird. Anyway, <laughs> this is all staying in. Um, uh, invasion, invasion of space or, or, or property, right? Those are the, the this is still things under that privacy. lead into privacy. Yeah. So privacy is a top level. Your secret into- life made public. Got it. And here is where I think you and I might corner the market in this sort of anxiety around <laughs> embarrassment, which is intellectual, where you publicly demonstrate a lack of knowledge or skill. <laughs> That's pretty much the thesis for all of our podcasts. <laughs> okay. How about uh, just criticism or rejection, right? This is a whole kind oh, of sure. embarrassment when, and, you know, we talk about, um, um, rejection sensitive dysphoria, RSD, right? Where you hyper analyze uh, rejection and and you overstate that rejection and carry it emotionally much, much right. more heavily than it was ever intended, right? Right. When, and that's a that's a legitimate thing. Uh, awkward social acts is a whole category in and of <laughs> itself. Um, and one of the things that that came up in this is like people who urinate in public, like find a street corner and urinate is an awkward social act. And embarrassment is what is the guide that says there's a line. Somebody who's not embarrassed about that is is uh, is problematic. Right. <laughs> That's sort of the cultural norm. Uh, use a stall, man. Right. Um, yeah. I like that it's just a street corner. It's not even like yeah, a, no, in an alley. Just, <laughs> it's 
completely. Where am I coming from today? God, so no, gross. It's, that's super. Yeah. <laughs> Nipplegate like, street corner you know, piss. Nigga, it's not even it. They just walk into the middle of an intersection and right. rip it out. <laughs> uh, criticism or rejection. Uh, we talked about that. Awkward social yep. acts. I'm going to back up two bullets because that's okay. where my eyeballs were. Image, uh, image embarrassment is a body image, fashion image, personal possessions image. Do you have the right bag? Oh, Are you using sure. the right gear? How well do you and your behavior and your looks align to cultural or professional norms? Right. This is why. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I got a new job. What do they wear at the new job? Should I get right. new shoes or yep. a new belt? Yep. I never. I've More never back had that, that, that problem. <laughs> Designer back fat. <laughs> Uh, here's, here's one called environmental embarrassment, environmental embarrassment. And it does not have to do with the ecological environment. It has to do with your immediate environment. And I actually love this example. And so we'll paint a picture for you. You are 13 years old and your mom and dad decided, Hey, let's go to the movies. I hear there's a great one on, I don't know, productivity and calendaring called nine and a half weeks. And you have to sit through a movie in a dark theater with your parents. With your parents. Watching nine and a half weeks. Right. That's environmental embarrassment. Like when something you're a part of makes you cringe. Right. Okay. So that was the that was sort of the early uh, way to categorize. And I think it works, but that's been distilled now into uh, uh, three, which I think actually really work. The faux pas, the center of attention and the sticky situation incident. Oh, okay. And by the way. It never occurred to me to categorize embarrassment. So me neither. I also find this very interesting, too. I'm glad that scientists. What was her? Miss Harris? Dr. Harris? Professor Christine Harris? Harris. And she is reporting on others work Got before uh, before her. OK, so three so, sticky situations. So the three faux pas, faux pas and center of attention. Santa Maria sticky situation. OK, got it. Pinta and the center yes. of attention. OK, <laughs> we've got it. A okay. faux pas might be walking out of a stall, a bathroom stall with toilet paper on your shoe or mm-hmm. with your like, if you're a woman or you're a dress wearing individual. Mm-hmm. You uh, have your dress hiked into your underpants. Right. Nice. That might be a faux pas. Real yep. classic uh, center of attention. Uh, you are the guest of honor at a surprise birthday party and everybody jumps out and starts singing at you in your face. Right? Oh, you're the center can... of attention. Some people can be very, very embarrassed. Pressure. Yeah. Got Being it. at the in the middle of something That's is a lot of it can yep. be a lot for people. I know you live for that stuff. Like No. Don't you yeah. You have actually people so. stand ins in your house whenever you walk <laughs> in the door, they yell surprise. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh and then the sticky situation incident. Can you imagine what a sticky situation incident might look like? I if faux pas hadn't existed, I would have defined it as doing doing a faux pas. Yeah. Right, right. That was that was my thinking too. This example kind of brought it into into meaning and it is the uh the the case study for you don't know what is going to happen next. But you have to go to a friend to whom you have loaned a significant amount of money and they have not paid you back and you have to tell them you still owe me money. That can be very embarrassing. Uh, for for you to have to do it because you don't want the money to wreck a relationship. And also, for the... you don't know what's going to happen next because you don't know how they're going to respond. You don't know what okay. it's doing in that in that microcosm of that that transaction. And so that's mm-hmm. what they uh, w- what we can categorize as a as a sticky situation. So those are those are the big three. And the, the most important thing to to recognize about all of these, as you think of yourself and what embarrasses you, different people 
report feeling embarrassed at each of these differently, right? You responded with surprise at a center of attention embarrassment, which for other people could be paralyzing. Right. Well, so give me a report. Also Where do you stand? A slight mix between, I think, agency among those three. A faux pas is something that you did completely by accident. A sticky situation is something you are purposefully walking into. Center of attention is it can be a mix of either one. If it's a surprise or if you decided to give a speech, that is your kind of, I wonder if that has any bearing on it. Yeah, no, I'm sure about it. I, I love it. And when you look at the original six, right? Privacy, intellectual, criticism, rejection, awkward social acts, image, environment, like all of those have different degrees of agency and control in those right. scenarios, right. right? And so the degree to which I am embarrassed by the things that I do is very different from the things that happen near me. I am much less embarrassed by things like watching, you know, nudie scenes with my kids. Um, I mean, it's not like we do it every day. <laughs> You're much less up. embarrassed than you should be. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> But that's it, right? right? Like that's a joke line, but that's the whole point. Right. And when it comes back to the to the research, embarrassment is uh, this embarrassment that is triggered by cognitive appraisal is actually seen to serve three functions. It's an appeasement gesture, right? Uh -huh, it it right. makes others feel more comfortable. It deters us from re repeating the behaviors that trigger it, so it's a training exercise, right? <laughs> right. Yep. And 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 it motivates us to undo potential social damage and restore the esteem of others. Got it. The esteem of others. Right. That's interesting to me. That's very interesting. It Embarrassment recovery can go too far. When you bring up and we brought up the idea of it trying to sort of grease the wheels and make everybody back on the same page, how do you rebound from that? I'm all very much reminded by Miscast. A uh, friend of the show, Mandy Kaplan, uh, runs a, every like three months, it's a charity sort of cabaret out here in Hollywood where all the money goes to Project Angel Food. And one of the big speeches that she gives to performers, because the performers are different every single time, right, um, right. is if you do mess up, own it. Just go, okay, I messed up, ha, 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 and then say, look at the piano player and say, let's take it back a little bit, and then just go for it. Because people want you to succeed, generally. There's creeps, yes. but generally people want you to succeed some, and she gives that speech because there have been some performers, it's very rare, but some performers that have flamed out, that have really train wrecked, but then kept digging in making throughout the song, jokes about, oh, I can't believe I messed up, and I really practice this a lot and stuff, and just kept leaning in weirdly yeah. to the fact that something embarrassing has happened, and so it didn't let anyone off the hook, and everyone yes. was just like, so that's vicarious embarrassment, but they brought it on themselves, which yeah. is kind of interesting, it's and the, so the cringe, it's better right? to just be like, okay, I messed up embarrassment and yeah. move on. That's what you want to do, or do what I... <laughs> I don't know if I told this story. Can I tell a really quick story that I may have told in my apologies? Uh, once miscast, I was in a miscast where we ran around to elder care facilities. Like as like a, just a little like, hey, let's put on a show. And instead of contemporary songs, we sang old classics. Um, and Mandy gave me the trolley song. Clang, clang, clang goes, goes the trolley. 
sure. very well-known song. Um, the problem with it, well, I don't, I'm not good at lyrics. The problem with that song is it's, I don't know what the word is, but every part of it can be taken out and switched with another part. Meaning okay. it's not telling a story. It's just a bunch of dumb sounds that a train is making. <laughs> and so we did it twice in two different elder gatherings and I flamed out both times, but went for it. Like just kept going. And I just started putting in words. And at one point I was like, clang, clang, clang goes the, Hey now, bing, bing, <laughs> boom goes the, wow. I think I've told this story now that I'm doing it. I think I've told this on the podcast. At Still one point funny. I said, at one point I said, you sing. And then, and then, because I completely forgot the end of the song, I said, and those are the sound a train makes. Thank you. And I just walked off stage and into my car and then drove into the ocean. But the idea is, but I mean, I leaned into it in a good way, I think, because I could see my fellow performers in the back. Half of yeah. them were really cringing. Half of them were really laughing. And yeah. probably most of the audience thought those were the lyrics. <laughs> so it all worked out so i'm sorry that was a big off ramp my apologies but when you talk about greasing the wheels there are good ways to do it to recover in yeah. ways that you can actually make it worse for yourself and everybody else around you for sure melissa Dahl is a journalist who's been covering like she's a, a journalist covering the, the embarrassment beat for the last <laughs> decade or so yeah. and and she she covers neurological science and has a, a wonderful ted talk where she talks briefly about uh you know what i thought when i started talking about embarrassment that i would think embarrassment's the worst like why do we live with it and she came away with uh, after years of of writing about it and learning about the people who are studying it saying you know what you should be embarrassed sometimes you need to be embarrassed because oh, it's not it's, just after this all, off product of right it's leftover it's the yeah, it's in many cases, it's the best way to get over yourself, right? To get over yourself. Emphasis on over, right? Uh, it, so that uh, that it's found that displaying embarrassment can have a positive effect on others. When you lean into the embarrassment just enough, that can help others help you alleviate the social injustice that has just happened, right? It can <laughs> yeah. motivate in individuals toward pro-social behavior, pro-caring behavior, pro-loving behavior. All empathy. of those things are really important because it's empathy. That's exactly right. right. The negative side of embarrassment, which I think is interesting, is, is that if you are prone to social anxiety uh, it, to a negative degree, to a way that is that is in some way debilitating to the way you live your life, then embarrassment can further accentuate those negative feelings. And you need to get some help, call some help because for some help, because that's that's not a way to live your life. Um, and that going to such great lengths to avoid the possibility of embarrassment runs a, sort of an irrational risk that, that like your example at miscast really dwarfs the, the social cost of the negative situation in the first place, right? Leaning so hard into the embarrassment like creates new pain for everybody involved that dwarfs the cost of the original infraction. Right. It really right. overcompensates. That's yeah. right. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I just, I found this entire discourse fascinating. And the, the bottom line from all of these researchers is you have to laugh more mm -hmm. in your life mm. when these things happen you have to laugh. And that is the weirdest thing to come out of like scientific research. But humor is the best way to the other side 
of embarrassing situations, leaning in, observing it. And I'll just I'll I'll just kind of wrap up my discussion with just a, another brief story because I I have a very strange personal feeling about embarrassment today as we record this. For the last two days, knowing this was coming, I've been racking my brain for personal embarrassing stories, things that have happened to me that are super embarrassing, and I haven't been able to think of a single one. And I know really. I know. I'm not that's that came that's accidentally comes off as an insult, but I just feel like you are I truck so in embarrassing stories. Well, or I think you're very intuitive and very self reflective, and one of the offshoots of that is to sort of okay, go ahead. I shouldn't have said so. Anything. I don't. I don't know if it's a good sign that I can't think of any better because maybe I'm just not embarrassed anymore. I don't think that's true because there are things I don't do in public that I bet I would be embarrassed about. But for some reason, I can, I don't. I can't. I can't unlock that catalog. I need help from other people. And so I asked my wife, can you think of any embarrassing stories about me? And her response was, no, but I've got one off the dome for myself. And I said, okay, well, that's not helpful, but tell me. And she told me the story of traveling to China with our daughter uh, for the family trip with other parents that we don't didn't really know very well. And she, uh, she, they were, they were getting ready to go into a new hotel. And or come out of a new hotel. Everybody was in the elevator, and the elevator came down to her floor. Her floor. She had her bag. She just showered, gotten on her clothes, and she came out. The door was closing, and the elevator was full of other parents. And she kicked her leg out into to block the door, and her underwear flies right out and lands right in the middle of this group of parents. What? <laughs> what? It had gotten like stuck in her in, in her pants, like extra. It wasn't the underwear she was wearing; it oh. was like just those others <laughs> that were in the like still, stuck to the pants. Yeah. yeah, and she was she was mortified and still <laughs> carries that one around, even though it evaporated for all these people in the elevator. I'm right. sure by the time the doors open on the ground right. floor, and yet she was able to conjure that up immediately. And I think that's that's fascinating. I that's think really the, pre- the weird social pressure about talking about embarrassment with you and having to come up with embarrassing situations has totally put me in a space of vapor lock. Right. So instead you just threw exist. your wife to the wolves. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's much easier, much easier to do that. And now story time with all the feelings. This one from Anonymous. Okay, so my embarrassing story is in two parts. I was uh, working with someone, we'll call him Brian, because that's his name. And I walked Brian out to his car and Brian was walking away from me and turned around because I was flailing about in a crazy manner because I'm afraid of bees and there was a bee near me. But Brian couldn't see the bee, so he just saw a woman going nuts, waving her arms and squealing and running and panicking. And I never found out if Brian, what Brian thought of that. But I do know that later that night, I texted my husband to say, hey, heads up, I'm fighting anxiety. I think I feel a panic attack coming on. What are we going to do? I just wanted you to know. Call me. But I accidentally texted that. I think we all see where this is going. To Brian, who didn't respond. And I don't know that I've heard from him since. He thinks I'm beyond help.
No one likes to make a mistake. It can lead to embarrassment and ridicule and judgment from one's peers and overseers. But if you in your everyday life ever flub a speech or make a miscalculation, say at work, maybe put it in context. At least you didn't embarrass yourself in front of a king and in front of all of London. Oh, and in front of God. Thus was the unfortunate case of London manuscript printers Robert Barker and Martin Lucas in 1631. Charged with printing a word-for-word reprint of the King James Bible, first printed in 1611, the pair constructed a thousand copies of the holy text. So far, so good. Except about a year later, a rather embarrassing fact about the Bibles came to light. In all 1,000 copies, there was a typo found in Exodus 2014 in the listing of the Ten Commandments. In the Seventh Commandment, the word not was left out of the text. Thus, Barker and Lucas's Bibles stated that God said unto his flock that thou shalt commit adultery instead of thou shalt not. As Jesus himself might have said, the Bibles were quickly dubbed the Wicked Bible or the Sinner's Bible. Robert Barker and Martin Lucas were hauled in front of King Charles I, who tore them a royal new one. They were stripped of their printing licenses and heavily fined. Almost all of the embarrassingly scandalous texts were destroyed, with only an estimated 20 still in circulation around the world today. Want to save yourself from embarrassment and please your podcast gods, Uncle Petey and Tommy Magoo? Then thou art lovingly commanded to subscribe and become a feeling friend today. For the wickedly low price, or tithe, of $35, you will be bequeathed early access to episodes, bonus member-only episodes, this season's roundup of stickers that you can put on your face, an exclusive What's That Smell slash All That Feelings bingo card that you can play along with each episode while you listen, and of course, our fanatical love for helping support the time and expense for the creation of this show. Now, peace be with you, and on with the show. Pete? Hi. Present. Uh, Pete, in your segment, you ended with the idea of you have to laugh. That scientists were saying, literally, laughter is the best medicine, am I right? No, weird. Screw that, penicillin. Um, Anyways, (laughs) and that really reminded me about my personal walk with embarrassment. um, And I wanted to sort of compare it to yours, if we could. Oh, okay. So we're looking for the second set of footsteps. exactly you were carrying me this whole time at some point i really learned to embrace embarrassment and even celebrate it to the point that it isn't embarrassing anymore and i am as a side note interested in when embarrassment becomes non-embarrassment what exactly has to happen um i think i've found it's a part of my relatively self-deprecating personality uh Mm -hmm. and i think showing i personally am a strong believer that showing vulnerability makes you seem like a more well-rounded person and maybe ironically makes you feel and seem more confident. Being yes. vulnerable makes you seem more confident because you're like, you're not, you know, like, hey, put them up, put them up against society. You're letting your back fat yeah. hang out for all to see <laughs> and just living your life. Um, That's a callback that I might, I don't like as much. Go ahead. You want me to drop the BS? Okay, got it. <laughs> um, there is a chance that I started doing this. I've been trying to remember all week. Uh, there's a chance I started doing this as a defense mechanism, leaning into in a different way. I think earlier I said leaning in too much to the to embarrassment can be bad. But if you laugh along with it and immediately sort of t- say, that was mine and we're doing this uh, because someone that lives with anxiety maybe 
embarrassment could be more dangerous right than for other people because we do have both of you and i have a uh preponderance for perseveration oh boy oh boy that would wow be for me that was a yeah. lot we like to uh obsess about stuff a little bit too much yeah um right but i really love the absurdity of life and so often when i do something embarrassing i will lean into it to it when i do something embarrassing by myself that would be embarrassing if i was around others i will share the story later <laughs> to make other people <laughs> laugh or commiserate like just yesterday morning, and this is 100% true. As I was talking to a friend on the phone, I walked into my bathroom and took my two daily gummy my multivitamins. Uh, they, you just Are take they two really of multivitamins? They're multivitamins. And then I put away the okay. bottle. You know, my body's a temple. And then <laughs> you kind of already guessed. but And then I started putting away a melatonin gummy supplement that I had taken the night before to help me sleep. Oh. And I looked at it, and it was the multivitamin bottle. Meaning, yeah, to start off my day with a bang, I had just <laughs> taken two giant melatonin gummies. And I told my friend this when I didn't have to. And now I'm telling all of you this, which I don't have to. But because I do not take myself very seriously, that's reserved for like my friends and family. Yeah. Right. Who I also don't take very seriously, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I am... I immediately, and again, I'm interested to know if it's a defense mechanism originally, because I don't know what it is. It's just automatic now. But when something happens, I laugh immediately about it and then make a mental note. Is this a good enough story to share? And then immediately share it. How do you right. relate to that? 100%. Well, because you were saying you, you have trouble remembering yeah. embarrassing stories. One possible reason for that might be because you're using what I'm talking about. You're yeah. sw switching it. You're taking control of it and that makes it not embarrassing that makes it an anecdote and that's very different because you are and in I, charge of it and and i think that's that's the curse of what we do here because as as you're talking about this i'm thinking okay we've just made it our brand to to tell stories when they're appropriate to make other people laugh or build some sort of bridge of relationship between us right mm -hmm. and i i think i have spent the last god it says 17 years on the microphone telling these kinds of embarrassing stories that otherwise would be or once were super embarrassing and now they're kind of part of my big dumb brand right that right that like this is just sort of what i've how i've compensated for you know not being a professional athlete and <laughs> um and so you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take it like it's but but that's that's exactly the point. And I think that's for you. So much of your comedy is based on self self-deprecation that ironically has it, it seems to have made you a more confident individual. <laughs> right. And I, right? I mean, don't you think because I feel like you wear it as like protection, right? It's like armor for you yeah. being able to wield wit in the face of potential embarrassment. <laughs> bang 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 goes the hey now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i think so i don't know i i think that it's i think it's really important i'm very turned off and i don't mean in a like a romantic way but i'm just very turned off by people that can't laugh at themselves mm -hmm. that uh, that always tell hero stories or at the end of their story they're like when was the last time i told a story where it ended where and then everyone clapped <laughs> hooray it doesn't For occur me. to me yeah it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't occur to me to do that or if i were to tell that kind of story i would even if i had to make something up 
yeah. to drain it a little bit just to yeah. make it seem more human because I don't, yeah, showing your real face and your real foibles, I think, is the name of the game. And it's the only thing that keeps us together. It's really interesting. I uh, just reflecting on a couple of experiences recently that I, and, and I wonder how many people see this, that see themselves in this way. Like I, I'm right with you when I hear you talk about how I, I try to deflate attention. I, I'm I, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. I try to deflate attention from me, even if if I've done something good. Right? Uh, I was I was doing another podcast with somebody who had never been on a show before, and there were there were. Um, uh, other people from her company listening in to the live mm -hmm. stream to make sure she didn't say anything, you know, untoward, I guess. And at the end of the show, they popped in at the end of the recording and they, we just all showered praise on this guest because she did a great job. And then at the end, the other two turned to me and were like, Oh Pete, you were great too. You're always great. And I, it was, yeah, I don't want to be, I, I kind of don't want to be seen that way where people look at me as something that needs to be praised because I feel like I'm a utility. I just want to be someone they can trust mm. to do the job that I've been trusted to do. I don't need the praise. I just need the paycheck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like being appreciated for the stuff I do. Yeah, but, but what is, what, what, does it, is that making you uncomfortable or you just, you wish they a little knew bit. that you didn't need, is it because you wish they knew that you didn't, weren't looking for that? Yes, yeah. And I don't know how to say that. I don't need, I don't, I don't, I don't need your praise. And I'm not saying I don't like it when people call and say, hey, Pete, you did a great job on that thing. Right. But in that circumstance, in that scenario, I wanted to sh the the person who needed the spotlight was not me. It was I the see. novice person. And I felt like that was a distraction from her performance. And I don't know. That made me embarrassed. That was an embarrassing event. Well, that could because. I believe you are potentially overthinking it, but in a good way. I mean, you're being over empathetic. If you really shower praise on a newbie and then shower praise on a pro, it runs the risk of diluting. We're just praising everybody. Maybe. Everybody yeah. wins It's an today. Honor honorable mention for everyone. Present. <laughs> right. Yeah. You were here, Ribbons. Yes. So I get that. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's maybe... the case. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I, it just, it, it, on reflection, it makes me think like, what is it about that moment that I found uh, embarrassing or awkward or shameful in some way, shape or form. Right. Like, and part of it is this is the center of attention conundrum, right. which is what I don't want in my professional capacity is to be noticed when it's not my job to be noticed. If okay. I'm standing up on stage and I'm singing something, right. Yeah. I'm singing a solo. You should probably pay attention to what I'm doing. But if I'm a utility player, I yeah. don't want to be noticed. I want the person who's being interviewed to be noticed. Well, it's very nice, but I wonder if there's anything, I mean, it's extremely nice and that's the way to air. I'm just trying to, sorry, that was a, I made a transition phrase, but didn't transition so that it just sounded like I was putting you in a corner, yeah. but I'm just trying to think if there's something else. Does, does it open the door for, oh, wait, I'm being judged even when I, in situations where I don't think I'm being judged. Yes. Yes, okay. you're right. That is that is great. And that's why it was triggering, because that embarrassment was the anticipation of a potentially negative evaluation some other time. Right. So it's right. like, oh, this if they're is, judging this is me today cards. and I did OK. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then, yes. Oh, Tom, that was that is really astute. 
regression. Okay. That's exactly that's exactly the feeling that it was. That is something that I didn't I didn't expect to to learn from that engagement and right. from that feeling and why embarrassment sort of drives that awakening. So this has been a long sidebar about me when we were really talking about you. Uh, so, no, this is good uh, because I do not have a lot to talk about. I do have, <laughs> so that was perfect. Thank God. And everyone, I want to go back. I want you to play that part at like half speed because I am about to wrap up. But I did <laughs> for all of my chuckle buck. Hooray! I'm not really embarrassed that much. I have talked about like the wedding story where oh, uh, for classic. people, if you did not listen, it was the fear of memories, and it was. Uh, the, I talked about a situation where I knew I did something very embarrassing and I knew that it was going to be a core memory that it was going to be really hard to get rid of because it was in front of a whole lot of people and it was at a wedding party and I just brought attention to myself when I shouldn't have in this big mic droppy way and it went over like a lead balloon. The difference between that and say taking melatonin gummies. Oh, which was funny. I forgot to mention about the melatonin gummies. I did go... Oh no! <laughs> As if I was already in slow motion. Um, it's an embarrassing situation leads to shame for me. That's when it it can't shake it off. Is when uh, it's usually when my embarrassing effect actions affect other people. Like I okay. took a really neat moment. I won't retell the story of the wedding, uh, but I took a moment where other people were and rightfully so the center of attention and swung that spotlight on myself. Cause I thought I had a hilarious joke that everyone would commiserate and laugh and be like, hooray, we'll remember this forever. Go Tommy, go. And instead it was the exact opposite and it just turned everyone off and it made the risk again, that is evaporated for everyone else, but me. But yeah, at least somebody what... is going to remember it forever. <laughs> it took what could have been a really incredible moment and instead would be remembered as who's this idiot. Why are you doing that? Why would you steal a spotlight? So that, so when it affects other people, my inability to live life correctly, <laughs> taking melatonin gummies, unless I'm about to drive someone to the airport, who cares? But doing yeah. that kind of thing, I have another example of a little bit of a shame story. I, it's so long ago that I've been able to get over it, but it actually involves the workplace. Uh, and I wanted to sell this because this is another example of my ineptitude doing something embarrassing that affected someone else. It was the first time, this was my first job in Hollywood. I was still an intern and I was working at a company called Bedford Falls. That's Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskowitz's company, directors, producers of Glory, Legends of the Fall, TV show 30-something, TV show Now and Again, The Siege, a whole bunch. Um, and I was sort of just being broken in. I didn't really know that much. And uh, there was an assistant that was sort of my leader, an assistant to the VP. And I want you to right. go ahead and use names. Actually, I will. I'll name names if, to feeling friends. So give us $35 and we'll always name everyone's <laughs> names. <laughs> no one will be anonymous for $35. <laughs> uh, that's like some weird blackmail thing for we, $35. We are so cheap, but we yeah. can be bought. That's but really we can what we're be talking bought, 100%. about. Right? Um, anyways, she used new, a new phrase that I just never heard. And it's I'd never really had a business job. And her, anyways, her assistant had to leave. And he was like, can you take the desk? The boss came in, probably didn't really know how new or green I was. We'd never really hung out that much. And she said she wanted to roll calls. I said, oh, okay, okay. roll calls. Don't know what that means. Uh, but I was yeah. like, she wants me to make a call and then transfer it. I knew how to do, work the phones. So she okay. gave me a list of four people. I want this person and this person and this person and this person. Got it. 
So I got the first person on. I have blank on the line. Uh, please hold. And then they said, okay. And then I connected them. And I said, blank, uh, so-and-so is on the line. And I connected the calls. And while they started talking, <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking. I immediately called the next person and said, I have blank on the line for them. I didn't know that rolling calls meant once this call is done, <laughs> then I want this next person. No one had ever given me like Did a you? list of things to do. I don't <laughs> know because I wasn't going to be able to connect them all like a conference call. But I just like a party line. <laughs> yeah, I just called the next person and I said, I have blank for you. They said, great. And then I sent her a note and I said, I have, or no, I just held the phone. And I said, I have Blake on the line. And she's like, I'm still talking to, like she screamed, I'm still talking to Blake. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, what? That's what everyone wants to hear. And she goes, tell them something. I can't. And these were like kind of big executives. Yeah. Like these were yeah. not people to embarrass my- I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Spielberg. My friend's boss, <laughs> exactly right. So I then had to be like, oh, I don't, it looks like I got the wrong person. <laughs> to, the, to the person. And they were like, what? Yeah. And I said, we'll call you back as soon as I have them. And they were like, okay, click. Oh my goodness. Then I had shame about that. And she was not yeah. happy with it. And it was a little right. while before I got on a desk. <laughs> oh my god. Understandably so. Because um, the first thing she did, uh, I'm sure, was told her assistant, what are you doing? You can't just leave him on a desk because he doesn't. He, yeah. I knew how to work the phones. I didn't know what rolling calls meant. So <laughs> embarrassing, shame. Why? But see, why? That's not the part of that's not on you. That's on the industry. Why do you make up terms like rolling calls oh, that don't intuitively make any sense? It's because Come it's on, the same industry. reason that I think that the economic industry or like stockbrokers and stuff, everything yeah. has three names. It's to make itself feel cool. Everything yeah, ha everything right. has different names. And have you ever read? Have you ever read like Variety? There's a yes, whole Variety uh, I, speak yeah. of like Helming is directing, Ankling is leaving. There's it's all Bafo is box office. Yeah, it's all nonsense. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care for it. All nonsense yeah. for sure. And really, it's designed so that outsiders feel a little bit shamed uh -huh, for not understanding right? it. Exactly. Right? And all uh, of that led right to this guy with two <laughs> thumbs. Whee! Uh, so I did eventually learn how to roll calls, but that's, I just wanted to point that out. It's not like I'm just skipping through life. If I end up hurting or thinking that I'm hurting someone else, that's embarrassment, which leads to shame, which yeah. leads to regret, which leads to, again, getting back in my car and driving straight into the ocean. Yeah. Which is always right. in the cards, everybody. So if you want to meet us in person, uh, come to the ocean. Head to the Pacific. Head to the Pacific. You'll <laughs> always find all the feelings. Just head west. <laughs> and now, story time with all the feelings. This one is from Scott Crazy 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 Lamb. He writes, This story comes from the mid-90s, which I only mention because it's worth remembering that Japanese-style toilet seats were still a thing that only existed in Japan, and because I was a clueless teenager, as opposed to the clueless middle-aged person I am now. I was lucky enough to go to a school district that had a summer exchange program with a high school in Japan. So that June, let's say 1993, I packed up my bag with a few other clueless Colorado teenagers and headed to Tokyo. An incredibly sweet Japanese family met me at the airport to take me home with them where they'd be hosting me for the few weeks of the exchange. Waving off my jet lag, the first order of business when we arrived at their little two-story house was a welcome lunch with the multiple generations of the family there to welcome. Before we sat down, I asked in admittedly terrible Japanese where I might find the bathroom. 
My host sister showed me the door, and as soon as I closed the door, I realized there was going to be trouble. The toilet before me had many recognizable toilet features, such as a seat and a bowl, but did not have anything like a flush handle. Instead, there was a little button pad attached to the wall, entirely Japanese and totally inscrutable to me. The long flight weighing on me, I did my business before anything else, and that done, decided to trust in fate and press the largest button on the pad. Success! The toilet flushed. But what was that? Just below the seat, a little spout was moving out, slowly facing upwards. What on earth? The next moment, the spout, which I later learned was a bidet and a common feature of Japanese toilets, unleashed an unholy stream of water all over the front of me. Horrified and confused, I wildly mashed all the buttons on the wall pad to no avail. I'm sure I only made things worse, but eventually the demon spout retracted back to its cursed hiding spot. I did what I could to drive myself off, but there was no masking the fact that I was returning to my Welcome to Japan lunch with the front of me totally and inexplicably soaking wet. I lacked the language to even attempt to explain what had happened, so tried, in the only way a 16-year-old can, to act as though nothing had happened. And to the everlasting credit of that Japanese family, whose name I totally 100% remember, haha, <laughs> Jesus, they never said a single word about it. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Crazy, 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 Leo. Shame on me, I'm a fool for the melody. I don't want to stop right now. All I need is a drum with the heavy beat. Hit me with that future sound. It's time to let go. We're not going home. This feeling I can't live without. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Shame on Me by Lance Conrad. And coming up next week, Pete, what are we talking about? Joy to the podcast. We are talking about joy because we thought everyone should use a breather after change <laughs> and embarrassment. So until then, I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back next week with all the feelings.